I love children. Eating them, that is. Keith McGowan, The Witch's Guide to Cooking with Children. Violent Vice contains graphic and explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I am your lovely host, John John. And I'm Audie. Hello. And if you haven't already, please hit subscribe, give us five stars, write a review. We love hearing from you. We love it so much. Yes, we do. We love the emails that you guys have been sending in. We love the suggestions. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Now, as you may have heard last week, or if this is your first episode listening to us, kudos. Welcome. Choice, but still kudos. Uh, we are continuing from last week's episode of Baba Yaga, the Slavic wood witch of Russian descent type stuff. So, I have three stories for you, Adi, and we already mentioned this earlier. But we will be starting with one called Baba Yaga and Vasilisa the Fair. Ooh. Now, you were kind of excited about this one last week, so. I was. It's a good story. Yeah. So, strap in. Have some cocoa. It is the time of year for that. Or pumpkin spice. You do you. I'm or not going to judge. apple cider. I mean, there's that, too. Like I said, you do you. I mean, actually, that sounds really good right now. Oh, I might need to go to the store later. Anyway. It's what I'm drinking. <laughs> ooh, ooh, super jelly. I am super <laughs> jelly right now. Okay. Well, let's jump right in. Baba Yaga and Vasilisa the Fair. Can't wait. Sounds good. A long time ago, there lived a merchant and his wife. They had one girl, a girl called Vasilisa. One day, the mother placed a little doll in the child's hands. She said, My child, I am dying. Take this doll as my blessing. Always keep it with you and never show it to anybody. If anything bad happens to you, give the doll food and ask her for guidance. Shortly afterwards, the mother died. The merchant soon became lonely and decided to marry again. He married a widow he thought would be a good mother, but both she and her two daughters were envious of Vasilisa's beauty. They gave her heavy outdoor work to do, so she would grow thin and her face turn ugly in the wind and sun. Despite this, Vasilisa became more beautiful every day. For each day, she gave her doll food and asked for advice. Having finished eating, the doll would help with the tasks and even bring Vasilisa herbs to prevent sunburn. As the years passed, Vasilisa grew ever more beautiful as her stepmother's hatred of her intensified. 
Then, whilst Vasilisa's father was away on business, the stepmother moved the family to the edge of a dense birch forest. This was not just any birch forest, for in this forest lived the terrifying witch, Baba Yaga, a witch who ate people like others ate chicken. Every day the stepmother sent Vasilisa into the forest, but the girl always returned safe and sound with the guidance of her magic doll. Then one night, the stepmother crept around the house and extinguished all the candles. As the last candle failed, she said in a loud voice, It's impossible to finish our work in the darkness. Somebody must go to Baba Yaga and ask for a light. I'm not going, said the first stepdaughter who was stitching lace. I can see my needle. And I'm not going, said the second stepdaughter who was knitting stockings. I can see my needle. So Vasilisa was thrown out into the dark, forbidding forest. Despite her fear, she fed her magic doll and asked for its advice. Don't be afraid, Vasilisa, said the doll. Go to Baba Yaga and ask her to give you a light. All that night, Vasilisa walked nervously through the forest, holding the doll who guided her path. Then suddenly she saw a horseman rushing by. His face and clothes were white, and he was riding a white horse. As he passed, the first light of dawn appeared across the sky. Then another horseman came by. His face and clothes were red, and he was riding a red horse. As he passed, the sun began to rise. Vasilisa had never seen such strange men, and she was very surprised. She walked all day, until at last she came to Baba Yaga's hut, which stood forbidding on its large chicken legs. A fence made of human bones surrounded the hut. It was crowned with human skulls. The gate had a sharp set of teeth that served as a lock. Vasilisa was terribly afraid. Suddenly, another horseman galloped by. His face and clothes were black, and he was riding a black horse. He rode through the gates and disappeared. As he passed, night descended. As the sky darkened, the eyes of the skulls began to glow. Their light illuminated the forest. Vasilisa trembled. She wanted to run, but her legs would not move. Almost immediately, she heard a hideous noise. The earth shook, the trees groaned, and there was Baba Yaga, riding in her mortar. She stopped and sniffed the air. I smell a human, she cried. Who is here? Vasilisa stepped forward, trembling with fear. She said, I am Vasilisa. My stepmother sent me to you to ask for a light. I know of her. Yaga replied, Stay with me for a while. If you work well, I will give you light. If you do not, I will cook you and eat you. Baba Yaga commanded the gates to open and rode in. Vasilisa followed and the gates closed fast behind her. As they entered the hut, 
Baba Yaga ordered Vasilisa to bring her what was on the stove. There was enough food to feed ten men. Then from the cupboard she collected kvas, mead, beer, and wine. Baba Yaga ate and drank everything. She left Vasilisa nothing but a crust of bread. I'm tired, Baba Yaga said. Tomorrow, Vasilisa, you must clean the yard, sweep the hut, cook the supper, and wash the linen. Then, she added, you must go to the corn bin and separate seed by seed the mild weed corn from the good corn, and mind that you remove all the black bits. If you don't complete these tasks, I will eat you. Soon Baba Yaga started snoring. Her long nose rattled against the roof of the hut. Vasilisa took her doll out of her pocket and gave it a crust of bread and said, Please help me. Baba Yaga has given me an impossible task to do, and if I fail, she will eat me. The doll replied, Don't be afraid. Vasilisa, eat your supper and go to bed. Mornings are wiser than evenings. Although Vasilisa woke early the next morning, Baba Yaga was already up. Vasilisa went to the corn bin and found the doll picking out the last black bits. The other tasks were also fulfilled, and the doll said, All you have to do now is prepare the supper, and after that you can rest. Vasilisa thanked the doll and went to prepare supper. She cooked the food, laid the table, and waited. As the skull's eyes began to shine, the trees groaned, the earth trembled, and there was Baba Yaga. Have you done what I told you? she asked Vasilisa. See for yourself, replied the girl. Baba Yaga was very upset, for she wanted to eat the girl, but the tasks were all completed. Hiding her anger, she said, Very good, and then cried loudly. My faithful servants grind the wheat. From nowhere, three pairs of hands appeared. They took the wheat and vanished. Baba Yaga ate the supper and said to Vasilisa, Tomorrow you must do the same tasks, and then you must go to the storeroom and sort out the dirt from the poppy seeds. The next morning, Baba Yaga again rode off in her mortar, Vasilisa, with the help of her doll, finished the tasks. In the evening, the old woman came back and checked everything over. Three pairs of hands appeared. They took the bin of poppy seeds and vanished. Baba Yaga sat down to eat. Why, she said, do you sit there so quiet and still? I am afraid to speak, said Vasilisa. Would you mind if I asked you some questions? Ask if you want, said Baba Yaga, but remember that not every question has a good answer. Vasilisa hesitated. It's just that on my way here I saw a white horseman. Who was he? That was my bright day, answered Baba Yaga. Vasilisa continued. Then I saw a red horseman. Who was he? That was my red son, answered Baba Yaga. And then a black horseman overtook me whilst I was standing outside your gate. Who was he? 
That was my black midnight, answered Baba Yaga. These horsemen are my faithful servants. Have you further questions? Vasilisa remembered the three pairs of hands, but remained quiet. Now I have a question for you. How have you managed to carry out all the work so quickly? Vasilisa replied, My mother's blessing helped me. I knew it, said Baba Yaga. You'd better be gone. I will not have people with blessings in my home. With that, the old woman pushed Vasilisa out of the hut and through the gate. Then she took one of the skulls, stuck it on the end of a stick, and gave it to the girl, saying, Here is your light for your stepmother and her daughters. That's what you came here for, isn't it? She walked all day, and by the evening, she reached her home. As she approached the gate, she was about to throw away the skull, but suddenly she heard a muffled voice say, You must keep me. Your stepmother and her daughters have need of me. The girl carried the skull into the house. As she entered, the skull fixed its eyes on the stepmother and her two daughters. Its eyes burnt them like fire. They tried to hide, but the piercing eyes followed them, and they never let them out of their sight. By morning, nothing was left of the three women except three heaps of ash on the floor. Vasilisa was unharmed. She buried the skull in the garden and went to find shelter in the nearest town. Here she lodged with an old woman. One day, the old woman gave Vasilisa some flax. With it, Vasilisa spun the most beautiful thread, so fine it was like hair. Then she weaved the thread into the most exquisite cloth. It was brilliant white, soft and so beautiful. Vasilisa gave it to the old woman and said, Grandmother, you have been so kind to me. Sell this cloth and keep the money. The old woman looked at it and said, My child, this is too fine to sell. I'm going to take it to the Tsar. So she brought it to the Tsar as a gift. The Tsar thanked the old woman and gave her many presents before sending her home. Impressed with the beautiful cloth, the Tsar tried to find someone who could make shirts from it. However, all the tailors declined the work, as the cloth was too fine for them to handle. In the end, the Tsar called the old woman and said, You must also know how to sew the cloth as you made it. The old woman replied, No, your majesty, it was not my work. It was done by a girl I took in. So the Tsar asked the woman, the old woman to see if Vasilisa would make the garments. Vasilisa made the shirts, and the old woman took them to the Tsar. As she waited for the old woman to return, one of the Tsar's servants entered. He said loudly, His Majesty wishes to see the needlewoman who has made his wonderful clothes. So Vasilisa went to the palace. Vasilisa and the Tsar were captivated by each other, and eventually they married. When Vasilisa's father returned, they invited both him and the old woman to come and live at the palace. Also at the palace was the little doll, for Vasilisa carried it around in her pocket until the day she died. The End
So. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Like a, it was like a weird mix of like Cinderella and classic Baba Yaga stories. Yeah. Which is why it was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That doll sounds pretty dope. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Wouldn't have to do like half your chores as long as you feed it. Freaking awesome. Well, and you being kind to it, it like be it. It's kind to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd be very appreciative for sure. Yeah. For sure, Audie. So, with that more famously known type one out of the way, here is another one. Called Baba Yaga, the girl, and the hedgehog. Now, I like hedgehogs. And that is the main reason I looked up this one. I love hedgehogs, too. I can't wait. Yeah. They are awesome and pokey. So. There are many Russian folk tales about the creepy Baba Yaga. Although she is sometimes nice, most of the tales of Baba Yaga are terrifying. In all the stories, she's an old witch-like creature that has lived for hundreds of years. This is like a foreword for it. She enjoys eating human beings. In many stories, she lives in an enchanted house that roams around the forest on giant chicken legs. In this folktale, that's exactly what the house was doing when Marussia happened by. Marussia was a good little Russian girl was on her way to buy turnips at the market for her family. Along the way, she inadvertently passed through Baba Yaga's corner of the forest. Baba Yaga's house was strutting by on its chicken legs, patrolling the forest just as Maruis Marusia, God, I'm going to have a problem with that pronunciation, entered the woods. Shocked and terrified of the walking house, Marusia froze. Baba Yaga easily captured the little girl and dropped her directly into a giant soup pot. I love to eat bad little Russian girls, crowed Baba Yaga as she salted and peppered the little girl. But I'm not a bad girl, said Mar Marusia, while trying not to sneeze. I'm a good girl. Well, I can't eat a good girl for my dinner, exclaimed Baba Yaga, but I can't make her cook my dinner. And that's what Mar Marusia did along with some cleaning. After Baba Yaga ate, she fell into a deep sleep. It was the perfect time for Marusia to escape, and she was quite trapped because Baba Yaga had magically locked the gate, and Marusia could not get out. Day after day, Baba Yaga flew out on her mortar and pestle in search of a special flower that, as she told Marusia, would help her live for another 200 years. Trapped in Baba Yaga's house, Marusia had no choice but to continue to cook and clean for the old hag. One morning, Marusia asked, Baba Yaga, may I have some turnips? My mother sent me to buy turnips, but I lost the money, and... You lost the money? exclaimed Baba Yaga. Then you are a bad Russian girl, 
With that, Baba Yaga swept up the small girl and dropped her directly into a soup pot, satisfied that she'd get to eat a bad little Russian girl for dinner, and the old crone went outside to get some mushrooms and greens to add to her soup. While she was out there, she came across a hedgehog and decided he'd make a tasty addition to her soup, too. Into the pot, along with Marusia, went the mushrooms, the greens, and the hedgehog. As it turned out, the hedgehog could speak quite well. The hedgehog explained that he was actually the son of the Tsar and Tsarina. The Tsar and Tsarina couldn't have any children, which made the Tsarina very sad. One day, the Tsarina stood near a very special flower in the royal gardens and wished for a son, even if he was only the size of a hedgehog. And that's when the hedgehog appeared. Although the royal couple was at first thrilled, they soon became embarrassed of having a hedgehog for a child. People made fun of their hedgehog son and of the royal couple for keeping him. So the Tsar and Tsarina placed the hedgehog on a rooster and sent him off into the woods to live on his own. As Marusia listened to the hedgehog, she had an idea. This special flower, what did it look like? She asked the hedgehog. It was a black sunflower, replied the hedgehog. Baba Yaga, Marusia called. If I tell you where to find your black sunflower, will you give me the turnips I need and let us go? Why, yes, said Baba Yaga. Hedgehog, can you show us where to find the flower? Marusia asked. The hedgehog agreed. Baba Yaga tossed Marusia and the hedgehog into her giant mortar and pestle and off they went. They flew over forests and mountains. Finally, they came to the palace garden. As soon as Baba Yaga plucked the black sunflower from its stem, the hedgehog turned into a real boy named Dimitri. Baba Yaga was too excited about her flower to even notice. Together, the three flew back to Baba Yaga's house. Marusia got her turnips, and she and Dimitri were free to go. The two children went to Marusia's house, where they made turnip soup and lived happily ever after. The end. Oh, well, that was a nice one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Still, though, if you end up losing money, you're a bad Russian girl. So, don't do that. Apparently so. Yeah. Still, though, kind of weird that you wish on a Black sunflower. Hedgehog appears like a dog. Even though it claims to be your son, it can still talk, but you feel you should get rid of it? I feel like that's just terrible. I think that's just bad parenting. I don't know if it would even be parenting. You don't even know for sure if it's a real hedgehog. Yeah. And then it just turns into a real boy. So a bit of Pinocchio in that, I guess. Weird. Right? Kind of weird. Yeah, kind of weird. So that was an interesting story, Adi. It was. It really was. I yeah. like the hedgehog. Yeah. A little bit more on the lighthearted side. It's just like, 
easily persuaded Baba Yaga too. Yeah. So at least she can negotiate. But this next one is called A Boy is Stolen by a Wicked Witch and Recovered by a Kind and Brave Girl. Nice. I like how all the leads in this are female. That's just yeah, me, it's, though. It's, well, the next one I got, the bonus super long story. Is Koshe the Deathless? Yeah, he's, he's yeah. male. But, but like, all the other ones were female, right? Yeah. And they're still pretty motivating and pretty strong females. Yeah. Russians know how to do this. I don't know why. They do. It's all good. So. There were once a man and wife who had no child, though they wished for one above all things. One day, when the husband was away, the wife laid a big stick of wood in the cradle and began to rock it and sing to it. Presently, she looked and saw that the stick had arms and legs. Filled with joy, she began to rock and sing to it again. She kept it up for a long time, and when she looked again, there, instead of a stick of wood, was a fine little boy in the cradle. The woman took the child up and nursed him, and after he was to her as her own son, she named him Peter and made a little suit of clothes and a cloth cap for him to wear. One day, Peter put on his little coat and went out in a boat to fish on the river. At noon, his mother went down to the bank of the stream and called to him, Peter, Peter, bring your boat to shore, for I have brought a little cake for you to eat. Then Peter said to his boat, Little boat, little boat, float a little nearer. Little boat, little boat, float a little nearer. The boat floated up to the shore. Peter took the cake and went back to his fishing again. Now it so happened that Baba Yaga, a terrible witch, was hiding in the bushes nearby. She heard all that passed between the woman and the child. So after the woman had gone home, Baba Yaga waited for a while, and then she went down to the edge of the river and hid herself there and called out, Peter, Peter, bring your boat ashore, for I have brought another little cake for you. But when Peter heard her voice, which was very coarse and loud, he knew it must be Baba Yaga calling him. So he said, little boat, little boat, float a little farther, little boat, little boat float a little farther. Then the boat floated away still farther out of Baba Yaga's reach. The old witch soon guessed what was the matter and she rushed off to a blacksmith who lived over beyond the forest. Blacksmith, blacksmith, forge me a little fine voice as quickly as you can, she cried, or I will put you in my mortar and grind you to pieces with my pestle. The blacksmith was frightened. He made her a little fine voice as quickly as he could, and the Baba Yaga took it and hastened back to the river. There she hid herself close to the shore and called in her little new voice. Peter, Peter, bring your boat to shore, for I brought another little cake for you to eat. When Peter heard Baba Yaga calling him in her fine, small voice, 
He thought it was his mother, so he said to his boat, Little boat, little boat, float a little nearer. Little boat, little boat, float a little nearer. Then the little boat came to the land. Peter looked all about but saw no one. He wondered where his mother had gone and stepped out of his boat to look for her. Immediately, the Baba Yaga seized him. Like a whirlwind, she rushed away with him through the forest and never stopped till she reached her own house. There she shut him up in a cage behind the house to keep him until he grew fat. After she had shut him up, she went back into the house, and her little cat was there. Mistress, said the cat, I have cooked a dinner for you, and I am very hungry. Will you not give me something to eat? All that I leave that you can have, answered the Baba Yaga. She sat down at the table and ate up everything but one small bone. That was all the cat had. Meanwhile, at home, the mother waited and waited for Peter to come back from the river with his fish. Then at last she went down to look for him. There was his boat drawn up on the shore, empty, and all round it were marks of Baba Yaga's feet, and the trees and bushes were broken where she had rushed away through the forest. Then the mother knew that a witch had carried off the little boy. She went back home weeping and wailing. Now the woman had a very faithful servant, and with this girl heard her mistress wailing, she asked her what the matter was. The woman told her all that she had seen down at the river. Now she was sure Baba Yaga had flown away with Peter. Mistress, said the girl, there is no reason for you to despair. Just give me a little wheat and cake to keep the life in me, and I will set out and find Peter, even though I have to travel to the end of the world. Then the woman was comforted. She gave the servant a cake, and the girl set out in search of Peter. She went on and on, and after a while she came to Baba Yaga's house. It stood on fowl's legs and turned whichever way the wind blew. The girl knocked at the door, and Baba Yaga opened it. What do you want here? she asked. Are you seeking work or shunning work? I am seeking work, answered the girl. Can you give me anything to do? The witch scowled at her terribly. You may come in, she said, and set my house in order, but do not go peeping and prying about, or it will be the worse for you. The girl went in and began to set the house in order while... Baba Yaga flew away into the forest, riding in a mortar, urging it along with a pestle, and sweeping away the traces with a broom. After the witch had gone, the little cat said to the girl, Give me, I beg of you, a little food, for I am starving with hunger. Here is a little cake, it is all I have, but I will give it to you in heaven's name. The little cat took the cake and ate it all up, every crumb. Now listen, said the cat, I know why you are here, and that you are searching for a little boy named Peter. He's in a cage behind the house, but you can do nothing to help him now. 
wait until after dinner when the when Baba Yaga goes to sleep. Then rub her eyes with pitch so that she cannot get them open and you may escape with a child through the forest. The girl thanked the little cat and promised to do in all things as it bade her. When Baba Yaga came home, Well, have you been peeping and prying? she asked. That I have not, answered the girl. Baba Yaga sat down, ate everything there was on the table, bones and all. Then she lay down and went to sleep. She snored terribly. The girl took some pitch and smeared the witch's eyelids thoroughly with it. Then she went out to where Peter was and let him out of the cage, and they ran away through the forest together. Baba Yaga slept for a long time. At last she yawned and woke, but she could not get her eyes open. They were stuck tight with pitch. She was in a terrible rage. She stamped about and roared terribly. I know who has done this, she cried. And as soon as I get my eyes open, I will go after her and tear her to pieces. Then she called to the cat to come and scratch her eyes open with its sharp little claws. That I will not, answered the cat. As long as I have been with you, you have given me nothing but hard words and bones to gnaw. But she stroked my fur, she gave me a cake to eat. Scratch your own eyes open, for you shall have no help from me. And then the little cat ran away into the forest. But the faithful servant and Peter journeyed safely on through the forest, and you may guess whether or not the mother was glad to have her little Peter safe home again. As to old Baba Yaga, she may be shouting and stamping and rubbing the pitch from her eyes yet, for all I know. The end. Nice. Yeah. What do you think? I, I think that one's a little more terrible, terrible, terrifying weirdness. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar to, was it the, it was one of the episodes last week where the cat and the gate mm. and the dog were like, no, you were mean, so I'm yeah. not going to help you, Baba Yaga, and then help the other person, so. Yeah, tends to be the case with a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's, just, it's not so much Baba Yaga will actually be helpful, but those that surround her might be. Yep. Well, there's only one super long story left called The Death of Koshe the Deathless. Ooh. So our story begins. In a certain kingdom, there lived a Prince Ivan. He had three sisters. The first was the Princess Maria, the second the Princess Olga, the third the Princess Anna. When their father and mother lay at the point of death, they had thus enjoined with their son, Give your sisters in marriage to the very first suitors who come to woo them. Don't go keep keeping them by you. They died and the prince buried them, and then, to solace his grief, 
he went with his sisters into the garden green to stroll. Suddenly, the sky was covered by a black cloud. A terrible storm arose. Let us go home, sisters, he cried. Hardly had they got into the ballast. When the thunder pealed, the ceiling split open, and into the room where they were came flying a falcon bright. The falcon smote upon the ground, became a brave youth, and said, Hail, Prince Ivan. Before I came as a guest, but now I have come as a wooer. I wish to propose for your sister, the Princess Maria. If you find favor in the eyes of my sisters, I will not interfere with her wishes. Let her marry you in God's name. The Princess Maria gave her consent. The falcon married her and bore her away into his own realm. Day, days follow days. Hours chase hours. A whole year goes by. One day Prince Ivan and his two sisters went out to stroll in the garden green. Again there arose a storm cloud with whirlwind and lightning. Let us go home, sisters, cries the prince. Scarcely had they entered the palace when the thunder crashed, the roof burst into a blaze, and the ceiling split in twain, and in flew an eagle. The eagle smote upon the ground and became a brave youth. Hail, Prince Ivan! Before I came as a guest, but now I have come as a wooer. And he asked for the hand of Princess Olga. Prince Ivan replied, If you find favor in the eyes of the Princess Olga, then let her marry you. I will not interfere with her liberty of choice. The Princess Olga gave her consent and married the eagle. The eagle took her and carried her off to his own kingdom. Another year went by. Prince Ivan said to his youngest sister, Let us go out and stroll in the garden green. They strolled about for a time. Again there arose a storm cloud with whirlwind and lightning. Let us return home, sister, said he. They returned home, but they hadn't had time to sit down when the thunder crashed. The ceiling split open, and in flew a raven. The raven smote upon the floor and became brave youth. The former youths had been handsome, but this one was handsomer still. Well, Prince Ivan, before I came as a guest, but now I have come as a wooer. Give me the Princess Anna to wife. I won't interfere with my sister's freedom. If you gain her affections, let her marry you. So the Princess Anna married the raven, and he bore her away into his own realm. Prince Ivan was left alone. A whole year he lived without his sisters. Then he grew weary and said, I will set out in search of my sisters. He got ready for the journey. He rode and rode. And one day he saw a whole army lying dead on the plain. He cried aloud, If there be a living man there, let him make answer. Who has slain this mighty host? There replied unto him a living man, All this mighty host has been slain by the fair princess Maria Morevena. Prince Ivan rode further on, and 
came to a white tent, and forth came to meet him the fair Princess Maria Moravena. Hail, Prince, says she. Whither does God send you? And is it of your free will or against your will? Prince Ivan replied, Not against their will do brave youths ride. Well, if your business be not pressing, tarry a while in my tent. Thereat was Prince Ivan glad. He spent two nights in the tent, and he found favor in the eyes of Maria Moravena, and she married him. The fair princess Maria Moravena carried him off into her own realm. They spent some time together, and then the princess took it into her head to go a-warring. So she handed over all the housekeeping affairs to Prince Ivan and gave him these instructions. Go about everywhere, keep watch over everything, only do not venture to look into that closet there. He couldn't help doing so. The moment Maria Morvena had gone, he rushed to the closet, pulled open the door and looked in. There hung Koshe, the deathless. Fettered by twelve chains, then Koshe entreated Prince Ivan, saying, Have pity on me, and give me to drink. Ten years long have I been here in torment, neither eating nor drinking. My throat is utterly dried up. The prince gave him a bucket full of water. He drank it up and asked for more, saying, a single bucket of water will not quench my thirst. Give me more. The prince gave him a second bucketful. Koshay drank it up and asked for a third, and when he had swallowed the third bucketful, he regained his former strength, gave his chains a shake, and broke all twelve at once. Thanks, Prince Ivan, cried Koshay the Deathless. Now you will sooner see your own heirs than Maria Moravena, and out of the window he flew in the shape of a terrible whirlwind. When he came up with the fair princess Maria Moravena, as she was going her way, laid hold of her and carried her off home with him. But Prince Ivan wept full sore, and he arrayed himself and set out a-wandering, saying to himself, Whatever happens... I will go and look for Maria Moravena. One day passed, another day passed. At the dawn of the third day he saw a wondrous palace, and by the side of the palace stood an oak, and on the oak sat a falcon bright. Down flew the falcon from the oak, smote upon the ground and turned into a brave youth and cried aloud, Ha, dear brother-in-law, how deals the Lord with you? Out came running the Princess Maria, joyfully greeted her brother Ivan, and began inquiring after his health, and telling him of all about herself. The prince spent three days with them, then he said, I cannot abide with you. I must go in search of my wife, the fair Princess Maria Moravena. Hard will it be for you to find her, answered the falcon. At all events, leave with us your silver spoon. We will, look at, we will look at it and remember you. So Prince Ivan left his silver spoon at the falcons and went on his way again. 
On he went one day, on he went another day. And by the dawn of the third day, he saw a palace still grander than the former one. And hard by the palace stood an oak, and on that oak sat an eagle. Down flew the eagle from the oak, smote upon the ground, turned into a brave youth, and cried aloud, Rise up, Princess Olga, hither comes our brother dear. The Princess Olga immediately ran to meet him, and began kissing him and embracing him, asking after his health, and telling him all about herself. With them, Prince Ivan stopped three days. Then he said, I cannot stay here any longer. I am going to look for my wife, the fair Princess Maria Morevena. Hard will it be for you to find her, replied the eagle. Leave with us a silver fork. We will look at it and remember you. He left a silver fork behind and went his way. He traveled one day. He traveled two days. At daybreak on the third day, he saw a palace grander than the first two, and near the palace stood an oak, and on that oak sat a raven. Down flew the raven from the oak, smote upon the ground, turned into a brave youth, and cried aloud, Princess Anna, come forth quickly, our brother is coming. Out ran the Princess Anna, greeted him joyfully, and began kissing and embracing him, asking after herself and telling him all about herself. Prince Ivan stayed with them three days again. Then he said, Farewell, I am going to look for my wife, the fair Princess Maria Morvena. Hard will it be for you to find her, replied the raven. Anyhow, leave your silver snuff-box with us. We will look at it and remember you. The prince handed over his silver snuff-box, took his leave, and went his way. One day he went, another day. And on the third day he came to where Maria Moravena was. She caught sight of her love, flung her arms around his neck, burst into tears, and exclaimed, O oh, Prince Ivan, why did you disobey me and go looking into the closet and letting out Koshay the Deathless? Forgive me, Maria Moravena, remember not the past. Much better fly with me while Koshay the Deathless is out of sight. Perhaps he won't catch us. So they got ready and fled. Now Koshay was out hunting. Towards evening, he was returning home when his good steed stumbled beneath him. Why stumbles you, sorry jade? Sentest thou some ill? The steed replied, Prince Ivan has come and carried off Maria Moravena. Is it possible to catch them? Is it possible to sow wheat, to wait till it grows up, to reap it and thresh it, and to grind it into flour, to make five pies of it, to eat those pies, and then to start in pursuit, and even then to be in time? Koshe galloped off and caught up Prince Ivan. Now, he says, this time I will forgive you, in return for your kindness in giving me water to drink, and a second time I will forgive you. But the third time beware, I will cut you to bits. Then he took Maria Moravena from him, and carried her off. But Prince Ivan sat down on a stone and burst into tears. He wept and wept, and then turned back again to Maria Moravena. Now Koshe the Deathless happened not to be at home. 
Let us fly, Maria. Ah, uh, Prince Ivan, he will catch us. Suppose he does catch us. At all events, we shall have spent an hour or two together. So they got ready and fled. As Kosha the Deathless was returning home, his good steed stumbled beneath him again. Why stumbles you? Sorry, Jade, sentest thou some ill. Prince Ivan has come and carried off Maria Moravena. Is it possible to catch them? It is possible to sow barley, to wait till it grows up, to reap it, to thresh it, to beer, brew beer, to drink ourselves drunk on it, to sleep our fill, and then to set off in pursuit, and yet to be in time. Koshe galloped off, quickly caught up Prince Ivan. Didn't I tell you that you should not see Maria Morvena any more than your own ears? And he took her away and carried her off home with him. Prince Ivan was left there alone. He wept and wept. Then he went back again after Maria Moravena. Koshe happened to be away from home at that moment. Let's fly, Maria. Ah, Prince Ivan, he is sure to catch us and hew you in pieces. Let him hew away. I cannot live without you. So they got ready and fled. Koshe, the deathless, was returning home when his good steed stumbled beneath him yet again. Why do you stumble? Sentest thou any ill? Prince Ivan has come and has carried off Maria Moravena. Koshe galloped off, caught Prince Ivan, chopped him into little pieces, put them into a barrel, smeared it with pitch, and bound it with iron hoops, and flung it into the blue sea. But Maria Moravena, he carried off home. At that very time, the silver articles turned black, which Prince Ivan had left with his brothers-in-law. Ah, said they, evil is accomplished, sure enough. Then the eagle hurried to the blue sea, caught hold of the barrel, and dragged it ashore. The falcon flew away for the water of life, and the raven for the water of death. Afterwards, they all three met, broke open the barrel, took out the remains of Prince Ivan, washed them, put them together in fitting order. The raven sprinkled them with the water of death. The pieces joined together. The body became whole. The, the falcon sprinkled it with the water of life. Prince Ivan shuddered, stood up, and said, Ah, what a time I've been sleeping. You have gone on sleeping a good deal longer if it hadn't been for us, replied his brothers-in-law. Now come and pay us a visit. Not so, brothers. I shall go and look for Maria Morvena. And when he had found her, he said to her, Find out from Koshe the Deathless whence he got so good a steed. So Maria chose a favorable moment and began asking Koshe about it. Koshe replied, Beyond thrice nine lands, in the thirtieth kingdom, on the other side of the fiery river there lives Baba Yaga. She has so good a mare that she flies right round the world on it every day. And she has many other splendid mares. I watched her herds for her for three days without losing a single mare, and in return for that the Baba Yaga gave me a foal, 
but how did you get across the fiery river? Why, I have a handkerchief of this kind. When I wave it thrice on the right hand, there springs up a very lofty bridge, and the fire cannot reach it. Maria Moravina listened to all this and repeated it to Prince Ivan, and she carried off the handkerchief and gave it to him. So he managed to get across the fiery river and then went on to Baba Yaga's. Long went he on without getting anything either to eat or to drink. At last he came across an outlandish bird and its young ones. Says Prince Ivan, I'll eat one of these chickens. Don't eat it, Prince Ivan, begs the outlandish bird. Some time or other, I'll do you a good turn. So he left. He went on farther and saw a hive of bees in the forest. I'll get a bud of honeycomb, says he. Don't disturb my honey, Prince Ivan, exclaims the queen bee. Some time or other, I'll do you a good turn. So he didn't disturb it, but went on. Presently there met him a lioness with her cub. Anyhow, I'll eat this lion cub, says he. I'm so hungry I feel quite unwell. Please let us alone, Prince Ivan, begs the lioness. Some time or other, I'll do you a good turn. Very well, have it your own way, says he. Hungry and faint, he wandered on, walked farther and farther, and at last he came to where stood the house of Baba Yaga. Round the house were set twelve poles in a circle, and on each of the of eleven of these poles was stuck a human head. The twelfth alone remained unoccupied. Hail, Granny! Hail, Prince Ivan! Wherefore have you come? Is it of your own accord or on compulsion? I have come to earn from you a heroic steed. So be it, Prince. You won't have to serve a year with me, but just three days. If you take good care of my mares, I'll give you a heroic steed. But if you don't, why, then you mustn't be annoyed at finding your head stuck on top of the last pole up there. Prince Ivan agreed to these terms. Baba Yaga gave him food and drink and bade him to set about his business. The, but the moment he had driven the mares afield, they cocked up their tails, and away they tore across the meadows in all directions. Before the prince had time to look round, they were all out of sight. Thereupon he began to weep, and to disquiet himself, and then he sat down upon a stone and went to sleep. But when the sun was near its setting, the outlandish bird came flying up to him and awakened him, saying, Arise, Prince Ivan, the mares are at home now. The prince rose and returned home. There Baba Yaga was storming and raging at her mares and shrieking, Whatever did you come home for? How could we help coming home? said they. they. There came flying birds from every part of the world and all but pecked out our eyes. Well, well, tomorrow don't go galloping over the meadows, but disperse amid the thick forests. Prince Ivan slept all night. 
In the morning, Baba Yaga says to him, Mind, prince, if you don't take good care of the mares, if you lose merely one of them, your bold head will be stuck on that pole. He drove the mares afield. Immediately they cocked up their tails and dispersed among the thick forests. Again did the prince sit down on the stone, weep and weep, and then go to sleep. The sun went down behind the forest. Up came running the lioness. Arise, Prince Ivan. The mares are all collected. Prince Ivan arose and went home. More than ever did Baba Yaga storm at her mares and shriek. Whatever did you come back home for? How could we help coming back? Beasts of prey came running at us from all parts of the world and all but tore us utterly to pieces. Well, tomorrow run off into the blue sea. Again did Prince Ivan sleep through the night. Next morning, Baba Yaga sent him forth to watch the mares. If you don't take good care of them, says she, your bold head will be stuck on that pole. He drove the mares afield. Immediately they cocked up their tails and disappeared from sight and fled into the blue sea. There they stood, up to their necks in water. Prince Ivan sat down on the stone, wept, and fell asleep. But when the sun had set behind the forest, up came flying a bee, and said, Arise, prince, the mares are all collected, but when you get home, don't let Baba Yaga set eyes on you, but go into the stable and hide behind the mangers. There you will find a sorry colt rolling in the muck. Do you steal it? and at the dead of night ride away from the house. Prince Ivan arose, slipped into the stable, and lay down behind the mangers, while Baba Yaga was storming away at her mares and shrieking, Why did you come back? How could we help coming back? There came flying bees in countless numbers from all parts of the world and began stinging us on all sides till the blood came. The Baba Yaga went to sleep, in the dead of the night, Prince Ivan stole the sorry colt, saddled up, jumped on its back, and galloped away to the fiery river. When he came to that river, he waved the handkerchief three times on the right hand, and suddenly, springing goodness knows whence, there hung across the river, high in the air, a splendid bridge. The prince rode across the bridge and waved the handkerchief twice only on the left hand, there remained across the river a thin, ever so thin, bridge. When the Baba Yaga got up in the morning, the sorry colt was not to be seen. Off she set in pursuit, at full speed did she fly in her iron mortar, urging it on with the pestle, sweeping away her traces with the broom. She dashed up to the fiery river, gave a glance, and said, A capital bridge. She drove on to the bridge but only gotten halfway when the bridge broke in two, and Baba Yaga went flop into the river. There truly did she meet with a cruel death. Prince Ivan fattened up the colt in the green meadows, and it turned into a wondrous steed that he rode to where Maria Morivena was. She came running out and flung herself on his neck, crying, By what means has God brought you back to life? Thus and thus, he says he, now come along with me.
I am afraid, Prince Ivan, if Koshe catches you, you will be cut in pieces again. No, he won't catch us. I have a splendid heroic steed now. It flies just like a bird. So they got on its back and rode away. Koshe the Deathless was returning home when his horse stumbled beneath him. What are you stumbling for, sorry Jade? Dost thou scent any ill? Prince Ivan has come and carried off Maria Moravena. Can we catch them? God knows. Prince Ivan has a horse now which is better than I. Well, I can't stand it, says Koshe the Deathless. I will pursue. After a time, he came up with Prince Ivan, lighted on the ground, and was going to chop him up with his sharp sword. But at that moment, Prince Ivan's horse smote Koshe the Deathless full swing with his hoof and cracked his skull. The prince made an end of him with a club. Afterwards, the prince heaped up a pile of wood, set fire to it, burnt Koshe the Deathless on the pyre, and scattered his ashes to the wind. Then Maria Moravena mounted Koshe's horse, and Prince Ivan got on his own, and it rode away to visit the first the raven, and then the eagle, and then the falcon. Wherever they went, they met with a joyful greeting. Ah, Prince Ivan, why, we never expected to see you again. Well, it wasn't for nothing that you gave yourself so much trouble. Such a beauty as Maria Moravena... One might search for all the world over and never find, find one like her. And so they visited, and they feasted, and afterwards they went off to their own realm. The End What a doozy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is extensive. Yeah. You weren't kidding like, when you said it was long, but mm -hmm. wow. No, it's just like it had almost everything. Like there was an act one, act two, act three. It's crazy. Yeah. That's that a full story. Full story. You full sent it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Prince Ivan ended up not even being the one to kill Koshe the Deathless. It was his awesome horse. Yeah. And, I mean, he's married to not only a gorgeous princess, but a freaking warrior princess. The whole reason she got caught in the first place was because she wanted to go out warring with people. So, that's pretty badass. That is. And he was a stay-at-home husband. Yeah. <laughs> kind of until yeah. then. Yeah. It was a bit weird. Yeah. And, I mean, not exactly for the times. He demanded consent before any marriage for his sisters, either. Yeah. It's just like, you don't really hear a lot of that either. It was like very PC for being an old story, right? Yeah, no, for sure. That's crazy. Yeah. Still, though, I'm a little confused as to why the lion didn't just straight up kill Ivan. Because I'm pretty sure it could have. Probably. But hey, mm. consistency. Yeah. There's a little bit of, like, weird, confusing points in it. Do you have any questions? No, but you did a really good job telling it. Oh, uh, good. There's a lot of weird these, thous, and thost type stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's written in an old language, so, I mean, 
Yeah. Old English. A little harder Still, to read. Still, though. I, st- I think, like, the coolest part is that there are just three lords that are just animorphs that are a falcon, eagle, and raven, and they each have freaking awesome castles. Yeah. No kidding. That's crazy. Yeah. I agree. Very crazy, but cool. Mm-hmm. Boy, those are all the stories I have that have Baba Yaga in them. Maybe not the main character in a lot of them, but there. Yeah. But that's really awesome. Yeah. So, even as a side character in Crazy Story, Baba Yaga's there. Yeah. Also, side note, I like the voice he used for all Baba Yaga's lines. I thought it was fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> you knew when she was talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that was fun. Yeah. I, I like doing that stuff. So Nice. Well, Adi, do you wanna close us out again? Sure. If you guys wanna email us, you can email us at violentvice at gmail dot com. That's B I L E A N D V I C E at Gmail dot com. No ampersands here. If you guys want to follow us, you can do so on Facebook and Instagram at Violin Vice Podcast. And if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, it's just at Violin Vice. Again, that's A-N-D. No ampersands here. If you want to go above and beyond, you can support us on Patreon or give us a once-off on PayPal. And PayPal is just our email address, violinvice at gmail.com. And then Patreon is www.patreon.com backslash violinvice v-i-l-e-a-n-d-v-i-c-e and we will see you guys next week thank you guys so much for listening yay story time with John John it was so good (laughs) we really do appreciate it and definitely do that five star subscribe and we do love those emails so much They're so crazy awesome. They are. So thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Violin Vice. Cover art is by Audie Griffith. Music by Annabella Rivack. If you want to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash violinvice. Or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to. This helps us move up the charts and also helps keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you.